there have been moments in my career, even at Create Ape, where I've thought about like, I wonder if it'd be better for me to go do that because it's it's less risk, it's less stress, it's less whatever. But once you dig a little bit deeper, is it really less risk? I know people that think that they have a solid job, they're working for a Fortune 100 company, and then look, man, numbers get crunched and your department's gone. How long have we known each other for like a long time, dude? Like maybe pushing like 17, 18 years? Something yeah. like that? A long time, right? Long. But I like we met at True Car in like 2008 or something like that. Com. Yeah. So it's heck. Oh my gosh. Um, but you know, before then, like I I don't know how you got started. Like you your your you know primary career back then was you're a graphic designer, right? Um, so how did you get started? Uh, like, yeah. I, like, you know, did you study graphic design in college? I don't even know. All right. Well, let me give you the quick background. Yeah. Um, so, um, I think, I think the bigger question here is like, you know, why did, why are you doing what you're doing? How did you get into this? Like, you know, growing up, I was always into video games and, um, I find that kind of ironic because my dad who, you know, was born in Tehran and raised in Italy and came to America when he was in his twenties. You know, he's 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 a good guy, but he used to give me and my brother a lot of crap for playing video games like, oh, you guys got to stop playing these things. He would say this. He'd say there are people in China that are studying math right now, <laughs> which is like, kind of true. Right. I mean, he was like, you need to be doing, this isn't going to do anything for you. And ironically, it was video games that got me into um, when I was in Santa Monica College doing some introduction to the Internet. I started playing with HTML downloaded Photoshop, started playing with Dreamweaver, you know, and I was like, this is cool. I'm good at this. Now, at that point, I still didn't want to be that. I just was enjoying doing it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I always, when I go to hire someone at CreateApe, especially designers, I'll ask, are you a gamer? Not because it's necessarily a good or a bad thing, but if you're a, a gamer, you're inherently already evaluating uh, interface. Mm -hmm. Because anytime you play a game, you're like, why is the menu here? Why is that there? Like, yeah. this doesn't make any sense. You're evaluating it. So, it's a good sign that someone is already has a background of thinking on their feet when it comes to those types of interactions. So that started me in there. Now, at the time I was going to, um, uh, I was going to call a community college. I was toying around with acting in LA. I was, really? I, there's, dude, you should see there's a, there's some head. I'm going to send you some headshots. Who are you? Dude, you, you if you look at the pictures, um, they, they're they're pretty funny. I might even have one around here in the office. I but had like, no idea. I never knew that. Yeah, I was I was trying to like do the acting thing, and I was also toying with going to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo to join the agricultural program because I kind of wanted to be a farmer. I was like, right. I was like, this would be cool. And I remember calling around. Even then, I was doing UX research. I was calling farms in America in, uh, in California, and I was like, hey, what's your quality of life? And they were like, oh, um, it's great if you own your farm. Right. But if you don't know, it's not that great. And I was like, crap, I got to make money. How am I going to make money? And I was thinking about this. And all of a sudden, I got a job at a startup in Santa Monica called Crave Online, which ended up being bought by Fox Atomic. And I was making like 25 bucks an hour mm -hmm. back then. And I, like for me, that was like, you have to imagine, you know, I was doing, I worked at Blockbuster, Home Depot, like, you know, uh, this luggage place at the Santa Monica Mall. And I was making like seven, eight bucks an hour, yeah. right? And so me making 25 I was like i'm rich this is ridiculous yeah. i'm rich right? was this your first job out of college yeah uh, no i was still in college i was still in college You're still in uh, at the time so i was still in college i was yeah. still doing that but i got this part-time job and i'm like man hey you know um this is really good and i had kind of a moment where, where they kept giving me more work and i was starting to understand more about the tech industry and i was like you know what I need to keep doing this. And I decided to just kind of like go all in. And I got, uh, I, while I was working there, I enrolled at America uh, Intercontinental University uh, in their online program. They have a, they, they have a campus, uh, they have a couple campuses, but I want to be clear about something. There's like ITT Tech and then there's AIU. I think AIU is above that. I mean, it's accredited by the same that is accrediting like UCLA, stuff like that, right. where ITT Tech isn't. But it's not that much better. But it is a way to get a, 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 a bachelor's degree or a master's degree in an accelerated way. And so, yeah, I, I basically um, I started doing that program and um, I kept working. And 
you know, I graduated and I was like, okay, what should I do now? And the program, the, the program was designed for you to uh, be prepared for, for like a, a graphic design career or? The, the, the was visual communication. It wasn't UX. I mean, UX design didn't even exist at that at this point. UX design wasn't really a, a profession until around 2008, 2010, where it started to become like UX as opposed to web design, right? right. And so... I, I graduated, I got, I never applied, but uh, GSN reached out to me. Somehow they got my resume. They were like, hey, we want you to come in. It was close to Thanksgiving. I went through one interview. They wanted me to do one other one on Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. I had to leave my family real quick to go down there because it's the only time the VP could meet of the department. And um, they liked me. They gave me an offer and I started working there in January 1st. And uh, this was... Pro this was the beginning for me where I just started really learning everything. I, I was understanding more about web tech, uh, HTML, front end coding, and that was it. It just kind of took off. And, hmm. you know, it's funny because at the time, if you'd asked me then like, Hey, is this what you want to do? I'm like, well, it's good for now. Well, I don't know. I might do something different later. Mm -hmm. And then since then it, it just kind of grew and grew into something where, you know, I would imagine like most professions, you start to just see it in your sleep. You can just do it. One thing you kind of glossed over is how you got the job. I went on an interview. I showed them a portfolio that I made when I was at AIU and I did some like freelance contract work. Okay. I guess it was just a good fit. I don't know, man. I mean, I was an actor, so I was very charismatic. <laughs> hey, like all kidding aside, those skills that you pick up in, you know, acting classes, I mean, they absolutely, I can see that. Uh, benefiting yeah. anybody interviewing, right? You, you're, you're, you can project your voice, you're more, you know, you know how to be personable. I mean, you are by nature anyway, but I mean, you can really yeah. emphasize that. So that actually makes a lot of sense. Okay. All right. So, um, so how many years were you over there at that? Um, you said GSN? I was at GSN Game Show Network. I was at GSN. They're, they're owned by Sony and Liberty Media. Um, and I actually did some work for Sony while I was working there, which was kind of cool. Like okay. to be fresh out of college and doing some sh stuff for Sony is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I worked there for about a year. Then the department got like reorganized. My boss and my boss's boss were fired. Mm. And I was like, huh, should I stay here? I don't know what's going on, guys. And um, I left that company to, I, I was like, well, I better get another job. And this next job, I stayed there for about two months. And it was a horrible experience, but a wonderful experience. Yeah, I want to hear about that. So, you know, when you're younger, you tend to look at things and you go, well, I'm making 45000 a year right now, but this place here is going to pay me fifty five. That's 10000 more a year, right? Yeah. You start thinking of what you can buy with that. Like after taxes, maybe like, I don't know, six and a half, seven grand. Oh. Like you start thinking, oh, I could buy this. I could buy that, right? There wasn't even any after taxes in my head. I didn't even understand that part of it <laughs> still yet. I was, oh, cool. That was more. This is great. Even better. The, you know, they promised a lot of things. It was at an agency, ironically. Mm. Uh, they were called Mbox Media, I remember. Um, and I went and interviewed. They liked me. They said, you know, we're going to we're gonna start you at 55000 and then we'll see where things go. But they were in Chatsworth, and I was in, in Santa Monica. So I was like, it's probably not that bad. I could just drive there. So every day I'm getting on PCH, cutting through Topanga, going down all the way to Chatsworth, this job. And let's just say that they might have misrepresented the, the job just a little bit. Like it wasn't what they were saying it was. Hmm. And I, the reason I say it, it sucked is the drive, the environment wasn't great. It wasn't a good for, fit for me culturally. Um, and I decided, you know what, this, this is not good. And I, what I learned from that was that you don't chase money. You don't chase it. Like make sure that where you're at, and I don't care, like you can, they could have been paying me a hundred thousand, double what I was yeah. making end of the day, things will settle and a paycheck is a paycheck. And now you're in the grind. You're in the whatever it is. Is it a nine to five? Is it working remotely? Is it not? Whatever it is, that is your life. And so I tell people that I talk to, look, remember, life is uh, not the footing for work. Work is the footing for life. We, we don't live to work. We work to live. Mm -hmm. And I learned in that environment, like, you know what? There is it, Money is not the most important thing. Mm -hmm. Being in a place that you actually enjoy going to work every day 
That's the most important thing. So I was there for like a couple months where I was like, yeah, I'm done. This, this, I can't do this. And uh, three days later, I had another job at Path Connect uh, in in uh, near uh, close to like the PDC in LA. Oh, you just went on like a job board and found a job. You applied. Next thing you know, you're called. Up. I mean, I, there was no job board, man. It was just Craigslist, and I saw a job, and I just started applying. And they called me back, and it was there. I mean, you have to understand too, like this was like heyday pre two thousand eight tech, hmm. where. I mean, you could like, even now with, with the economy and everything being the way it is, like if you're a software engineer, if you're a web engineer, if you're a UX, you know, uh, uh, a guy, like there's, there's jobs. High demand skill set. Yeah. Oh, I I was surprised as you, I was like, wow. And by the way, they were paying me 75 K. So like, woo, look at this. Like, this is great. Um, and I worked there for about two years. Um, and it was good. I learned a ton. I, I actually, um, it was the first time I worked with celebrities because they were doing some celebrity stuff with this called Make a Difference Network with uh, Jessica Biel's dad and Jessica mm-hmm. Biel was part of it. Mm-hmm. So I would be in a couple rooms with Jessica Biel and I was like, whoa, she's a she's an actress. She's famous. And then we also did a social network for uh, Bodie Miller for this thing called Ski Space. And so that was kind of interesting. I learned some experiences there. But, you know, these were all startups. So I, I learned to wear a lot of different hats and the environment in a startup is you don't, it's not this that you wear a lot of different hats. It's that it's very fast paced. Yeah, totally. And that's where I learned how to just use the tools that I was working in at the time, Photoshop and things like that in a very fast way. So by the time I got to zag.com uh, when I, and TruePar, when I was working with you, I, you know, I remember uh, my manager, Justin, um, at, at, um, at true car he was like you're like a machine gun man like i can just have you work on 60 plus partners which i was and you remember all the partners we yeah. had at true car yeah. usa i can just knock it out boom 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 and it was high quality but it was just it was good and the the way that i was trained to do that was working at startups where they were like yeah you have five days you got to get this done mm-hmm. and it was like holy crap i'm not gonna do this you just learn how to do it so mm-hmm. yeah that's kind of how i got into it man and it was uh by the time by that time when i met you i felt like i mean i was already a senior designer at that point i'd already had a good six years under my belt so right so you were at um zag slash true car until when like what year did you leave uh about 2012 2011 2012 um okay i left there uh honestly like i mean you know we we always kept talking about this IPO that was going to happen and it wasn't happening. And like, um, you know, they were raising more money and, you know, it was, it, 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 the, the environment started to change. I, I had a lot more flexibility before they moved offices to that place on second street. That was like millions of dollars. And I, I guess the uh, executive team wanted people to be in their seats more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember having a conversation with my boss. I was like, what's the problem? And he's like, well, we just need you to come in and be here more uh, during nine to five. Cause I, I used to come in at around 10. I'd leave at around 12 or one to go uh, work out at the Equinox uh, at, on third street. Right. And then I'd come back and I'd leave around four to skip traffic to get home. Mm-hmm. And I got my shit done. I got my stuff done well and fast. And so when, when I started getting some friction with this kind of new direction that the um, product, uh, department was kind of going, I asked, I was like, Hey, like, you know, what's the problem? And he's like, nothing. You're great. He was like, you're, cause I said, I was like, my reviews are always stellar. I'm like, I'm getting big bonuses because you guys value me. Like, what's the problem? It's like, it's just this thing. And that's where I actually learned. I remember telling, I was like, well, you know, Justin respectfully, man, that like, this is your job to manage up. Mm-hmm. Like you're my boss, manage up tell them to leave me alone because I'm doing what you need and I'm adding a ton of value to the company. And now running my own business for, you know, seven, eight years, I must've been making true car so much money. Like I must've been making them so much money for the amount of stuff that I was doing. Like I remember checking in later. He was like, I think, I think they had to hire like two or three other people to replace me. Hmm. Like wouldn't, would it have been better? Like when you think about like, taxes and benefits would it have been better to just been like oh whatever you need man you want to work from home a little bit yeah so there was like this cultural shift at the company to have butts in seats for longer just be more visible i guess in the office regardless of whether or not you're actually utilizing your time in a most efficient way for you right and kind of maintaining that that work-life balance that everybody kind of you know pursues uh yeah yeah 
so so that happened and you're like yeah i was like you know what i don't dealing with this and so i decided to just start looking and um there was a company called lynda.com in um uh near santa barbara in carpinteria and um i applied there and i got a initial interview um a virtual one which they they liked me and they said hey we want you to come in and it's going to be a full day interview i had done a couple of those in my career before so i knew kind of what to expect and like you're going to do a presentation about you and I remember I worked on that for uh, about a week, this presentation. And then the night before I'm supposed to go, I looked at the presentation. I was like, I hate this. <laughs> I was like, this isn't me. This is so like robot. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, it's like that part in Armageddon. Like if you look over here is the anomaly. It's like, that's not me, man. Like I'm funny. I'm, I'm kind of tongue in cheek. I don't take myself super seriously, but I know when to like be serious. So mm-hmm. I scrapped the whole thing, redid it that night. I still have the, the presentation. It's actually really cool. And I went there to present it. When I first went in the room, there were six people in the room. The boss that was the, my, my manager who would be hiring me. Mm-hmm. And then a couple in the department. I started the presentation. When the lights turned back on, not only was everybody clapping, there was probably about 25 people in the room. And the VP of the department, Michael Ninnis, who's a really good guy, he used to work at Adobe. Uh, he, he, I found out later, he texted my boss, uh, Karen Cross, and he was just like, hire this guy now. Like, that's what he said. He was like, hire this guy now. And it was funny because the tone of the interview after that presentation completely changed. It went from a, the, uh, they're interviewing me to, hey, you're now interviewing us and we're trying to sell you on this thing. What's it going to take to get you, you know? And it was a really interesting dynamic, a really di- interesting so change. What, like the, you said the, the first take for lack of a better term, um, of that presentation was more robotic and kind of you're going through like, here's, here's who I am. Here's what I do. Here's some, you know, some samples of my work. What did, so you scrapped that. What, what did you shift to? I shifted to storytelling. I told a story. And what I did is I ironically told a story of what recently just had happened at TrueCar that I had went through. And what had happened is that, uh, my wife was pregnant um, and we had a baby on the way. We were about to have Leo, our, our second child. And I was working on this, the true car, um, uh, human resources site where we had, you know, hiring and, you know, our culture and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And basically what happened is the, um, I forget the guy's name, um, that ended up, uh, taking over product at that, that time, but he had come in and he said, Hey, we want to work on this. And so I started working on it and, um, about, uh, halfway through before I, I was supposed to go leave to go have the baby, right. Cause I was taking some time off in December to do that. Um, they came back and they said, you know what? We're not loving this. And I was like, okay, what do you want to do? And he showed me Boeing at the time. He showed me Boeing's website. And he's like, we love this. And I was like, okay, what do you like about it? And he was like, no, we love this. I was like, I got you. What do you love about it? So I can figure out how to make this for Trucar. Mm-hmm. He's like, you're not understanding me. I literally want you to make this, but just swap out their logo and put Trucar. Like copy it? Copy it. And I was like, hmm. I don't know if you can see my eyes. I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> right. And I was like, okay. Um, I was like, you know what? I got a baby on the way. Fine. I'll just do it. So I did exactly what I said. I came back. This was about two weeks before I'm supposed to leave. And he's like, he looked at me and he was like, why did you just copy it? What? I was like, what? Like, I was like, dude, you literally told me to copy it. Like, that's what you told me to do. And he was like, well, I meant make it our own. I was like, no. I was like, you literally told me copy it and then swap out like, the logo. Say what you mean instead of just right. like being cryptic or saying one thing and meaning something else. Right. So, so you can see that this was a stepping stone to me being like, I'm done with this shit. Like, yeah. this is ridiculous. Yeah. Like, like if he had beef with me and he wanted me gone or whatever, but like, I was just like, okay. And so what I started to do is I started pulling in data. I started talking to human resources. I started talking to other people and bringing together a collection of evidence of what this should be and why. Mm -hmm. And I was able to actually do it utilizing that uh, um, mentality in order to not so much convince him, but more to make it very hard for him to argue against it. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to argue. Like I get you're the head of product for TrueCar, but 
at the end of the day, this isn't for you. It's actually for human resources. It's actually for the people that are applying to hire. It's actually for a, a different type of persona. And when I started bringing in that data, he really couldn't argue with it, right? Especially if the four people in human resources, including the, the VP of human resources, was like, I love it. This is what I want. Yeah. What are you going to do? Sorry, I don't love it. You're not even using it, man. Like, and it was on brand and all that stuff. So I, I, and I, by the way, I still have all these designs. I kept everything. You basically package that experience, your observations, your response, whatever, your process. You package that in this re-recorded presentation for the Linda interview. Yeah, and I made it kind of funny. Like when he came in and he said to me, um, "We we love it, but we want you to. We have one small change." And he's like, "Change it into Boeing." In my presentation, that slide was literally just a cannonball kind of like with a fuse going down to kind of show like this. And during like if you're in the space, if you're a designer, if you're in product, everybody knows this stuff that happens. Right. So when I did that, mm. everybody in the room's laughing because mm. everybody knows like this type of stuff where that one VP, that one executive comes around and says, huh, well, I'm I know what I know and we need to do it this way. And it's like, great. Sure you do, buddy. Sure you do. Like, would you rather be right or successful? Right? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of how I, 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 I was able to, I told a story and I used that. And it was very, uh, there's a lot of um, good, positive emotion in that presentation. Mm -hmm. And that's how I got the job. And it was a great job. Like I, the one thing that I learned at true uh, at lynda.com was um, just how smart everybody was. Everybody was really smart and it made me, have to grow like at true car not to say that people at true car weren't smart there were smart people at true car but like i could you know once you're there for a, a two years you can kind of fake it you kind of just go through the motions you're like okay I, i've done this a million times when i was at lynda.com they're so smart that like every day i was like very sharp and it was it was really good for my career it, it made me I, I would say that when i went to lynda.com that's when i officially became a ux designer like before i was doing web design and UX design and stuff like that. But I never thought of myself as a UX designer until Lynda.com. Then I was like, you're damn right. I'm a UX designer. Absolutely. Real quick. How, how many years were you at Lynda.com? About two years. Okay. And did you have a mentor there or not really? No, no, I didn't have really a mentor there. My, my manager was more of a manager. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I, I didn't feel like they were, you know, I, I, I wasn't being taught anything from them necessarily. It was more like, because, you know, iron sharpens iron. We were just kind of like in a scenario where it was like every day I was learning more on my own just to, just to stay, stay competitive and, and, you know, hmm. um, bring a lot of value every day to what I was doing. And honestly, I probably would have ended up staying at there. I bought a house in Ventura. I enjoyed the commute. It was a beautiful, you know, PCH, the ocean, but, uh, Linda and her husband, Bruce wanted to sell the company and they did, they sold it to LinkedIn. Yeah. Uh, they brought in, um, they brought in a very colorful individual. I'm not going to go into names, but he basically tore up the entire department, literally like the VP that hired me ended up leaving. And that should have been the right on the wall. Then my manager left. That should have been further right on the wall. Mm -hmm. And just started making these like weird changes, destroying the culture. Was this post acquisition? No, this was just previous to acquisition. It was, okay. yeah, which is weird because you would have thought like, wait a second, like, why would you do that? But they're, they're, now that I look back, they were trying to actually make the Carpinteria place just for production for video and then nothing else. They had, uh, they had opened up an office in San Francisco and they were trying to shift those things there. In fact, people that stayed after me, I found out had to start going up there a couple times a month just to say, I'm just going to be up there. And so thank God I made the choice. But I, I, I do remember before I left, um, when he, this guy was telling me to do stuff, I, I remember saying, no, I was like, no. Yeah. Like it was like, you need to stay here between this and this. I was like, no. He was like, what do you mean? No. I was like, I don't know how else to say it to you. No, you, you were in a position to say no. Right. Or do you not view it that way? I mean, I don't know, man. I had, I had two kids. I, I had a mortgage. I had all those things, but, um, you know, it, or you just knew how marketable you were at the time and that kind of give you the mentality that, yeah, if you're, you know, you're not comfortable being, you know, told to do something that runs against your grain or whatever the case is, you could say no, because if you end up getting let go, you're going to find another job pretty quickly. I'm going to, I'm going to try and be as honest as I can and, 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 and really yeah. transparent.
there comes a time in your life where sometimes no is the right answer, regardless of anything else. No was the right answer here. He was being a dick and he was doing it to everybody. And I just, if you know my personality, I just wasn't going to take that shit. I was like, no, fucking fire me. Like, come after me, bro. You want me? Come and get me. And it was ironic because he did uh, put me in front of HR and I relished it. We sat down, he and I, and the head of HR. And I knew the head of HR because incidentally, I actually did their uh, 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 a, re- a human resources site for them internally because I'd already done the one in True Crime. Yeah. And liked what- so I had a good relation with her and he did his whole spiel. And I was like, I was like, Monica was her name. I was like, Monica, can you let me know what was my last review? And she was like, it was a month and a half ago. I was like, cool. And um, can you tell me what the review stated? And she said it was glowing. It was like everybody, like Linda, everybody was like, if out of five, I was a five. Not from this guy, but from your previous manager. No, from this guy too. Yes, he didn't want to make waves at the time because he would have looked really foolish if he started right away. Mm. So I was like, what has changed in a month and a half? Just tell me. It, it, it has my work suffered. They're like, no. I was like, it has my production lowered. They're like, no. I was like, is the work that I'm doing no longer valuable? No. Like everything was no. And finally, because Monica didn't even like this guy and she knew what was happening with the company. Mm. She looked at me almost like she was going to cry. And I looked back at this guy and I was like, so explain it to me. And he didn't say a damn thing, Jeff. He All he could do, because what are you going to say? He literally was just, stood, it must have been 60 seconds. Nobody said anything. So what was in the that problem? Room. What was the issue? His problem. His issue was that he didn't want people to in any way work remotely. He wanted people, regardless of what commute you had, to be in the office at nine o'clock and not leave until five o'clock. And he also didn't want um, he didn't want us to leverage data as much in certain ways. He, he it was there was a lot of little nuances that he was changing the whole department. And by the way, the department was like twelve people. By this point, it was down to four. I was like one of the only. And some people had been fired and some people left because they saw the writing on the wall. So Hmm. I guess, you know, did I think I was marketable? Yeah, but man, I was in Ventura. Like there's only so much work in, uh, you know, um, Santa Barbara where I'd have to commute to to get another job. And so there wasn't a ton of work locally in Ventura. So I wasn't like totally oblivious. Like this sucked for me. I literally bought a house because I was going to work here. So, but I just felt like enough was enough. And, you know, we were going to work it out one or the other. And ironically, um, they, they did not fire me. I went and found another job in Orange County at Kelly Blue Book. They, they hired me and, and they paid for me to move down there. And, and I came back to the office and I was like, Hey guys, I found a job. I'm just giving you my two weeks. And that was it. Okay. And, uh, he stayed out of my way and I stayed out of his way. So <laughs> no. at, at what point in time did you decide to, um, to go out on your own, to start CreateApe? So you went to Kelly Blue Book, you were there for how many years? So Kelly Blue Book, I was only there for about two months. Oh. Um, yeah, okay. because after that, so I'll tell you the story. So yeah. you have to remember is that a lot of people don't know this, but when I first, when I was just about getting ready to graduate, I thought about starting my own design service. And I actually registered a, a domain and made a website called juniperdesigns.net. And it, the idea was effectively an agency. That's what it was at the time. And I, I knew nothing about anything. In fact, I, I'll always, I always laugh because I remember me calling my grandfather and saying, hey, no, no, should I be an LLC or a corporation? And he laughed and he was like, why don't you go make some money and then we'll talk about it. <laughs> yeah. You know, those light bulb moments where you're like, yeah, I need to make money first. Okay, got it. Mm-hmm. Um, when, but throughout my career, I'd always done freelance. I always had people that were coming to me and saying, hey, we have this project. And there were some years there, man, where... I made an extra 60, 70, 80, $90,000 while working mm-hmm. freelance. Like, there were, in, in, when I was at TrueCar, um, I converted a uh, closet. It was like a small closet in my um, apartment into a little office. I could just barely close the door. And um, when I was in Ventura, I had an office and I would come home. I would be with the kids after work. I'd be with my wife until she fell asleep. And then I'd work till like 12 o'clock, mm. sometimes one on these other projects that I would get. And I would be leveraging talent, my own talent, and then, you know, vendors for uh, development or maybe some additional design help or whatever. And I was to tur- I was able to turn that into a decent income while I was working. So by the time I went to Kelly Blue Book, um, and just a quick story, Kelly Blue Book, they, they told me that this was like Google, right? They were like, literally the, the recruiter in, at uh, Kelly Blue Book was like, this is a great place to work. You're going to love it. 
And it very quickly was apparent that it wasn't. Um, my wife was having some mental health issues at the time. So I was like, hey, before I take accept this job, I need to know that sometimes I need to work from home. They're like, oh, yeah, don't worry about it. Oh, my God, I get there. You, you can never work from home unless it's a really dire emergency. And the last straw for me, amongst other things, was I came in one day and they're like, hey, you need to start wearing a button up shirt and you can't wear your hat anymore when you're in the office. Okay. And so I, I, I literally looked at them. I was like, huh. I'll be right back. And I got up. I went for a, um, I went for a walk. I called my wife. I was just like, huh, like, hey, this is going on. And you have to understand too, we, uh, True Cars stock just had the IPO. So at the time when I sold it, it was like 17, 18 bucks a share. So I made a decent chunk of money mm -hmm. off of that. And I had some clients still that were doing reoccurring work. And my wife was just like, babe, fuck them. That's really what she said. She's like, just leave. Mm -hmm. Like, literally go give them their laptop and leave. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what? I was like, but what about the kids? She's like, and that, you know, like, I've got kids. I'm, you know, she's like, we'll figure it out. It'll be fine. Mm -hmm. So I was like, you know what? You're right. So I went in there and I was like, I quit. And they're like, what? And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm done. I was like, this isn't what you guys said it was going to be. And I haven't documented, literally documented what you guys said. And now you're changing it. That's wild, man. Like, usually, um, you know, you're it, there are certain things that, that about company culture that are just not spoken. Um, yeah. Or you can ask a question during the interview process and you get some kind of like ambiguous response that's, you know, indirect. And then you realize that it's the wrong uh, culture for you. But that's unusual for, for there to be, you know, a company that tells you one thing and the reality is something totally different. Like, of course, you're going to realize that, you know, well, what, what I was ended up being told is, look, the recruiter that told you this was wrong. Oh, is the was recruiter like, who said that? The, the recruiter that an is a whole... recruiter or, or in-house recruiter. It was internal. Oh. It was an intern. And I was like, guys, he's an internal full-time resource yeah. for you. Like you shouldn't know what, what that person is saying. <laughs> yeah. And, and, um, and furthermore, I mean, especially now retrospectively, like, cause now I, I, I I've run a company for a long time. Mm -hmm. It is my benefit that I ask a candidate, what do you want? What do you expect? What kind of, like, it's my job to figure out if you're going to be a good culture fit or not. Yeah. And so I, I don't remember the math, but I think that um, a bad hire for a company costs three X. It costs a lot of money. There's no doubt. So, uh, you you left uh, KBB, and is that when you decided to start Create Ape? I left KBB. I I literally a week later found a client that was going to pay me five k a month for the next couple of months. Uh, come in part time here and there, and it was still allsandrafar.com. There was no Create Ape. I had registered for back in like 2011 just because I thought it looked cool, and I thought, oh, I might use that one day, and I kept doing it as my own personal consulting until about 2016 when a financial advisor was like, you need to make a corporation. Like you can't do this as an LLC. You're just, you're getting hammered on taxes. And that is when I officially started creative. But even then creative was like the redheaded stepchild. It was still also And I had this, I was just like, okay, whatever, here's a site. And then from 2016 ish till 2020, it changed. It shifted where also became just kind of like a, your portfolio site kind of and um and then creative was off to the races and then during covid years creative went from like 20 people 22 people to like friggin 70 people almost. when you left kbb did you have in mind like you know what i'm gonna start my own business i'm gonna you know hire people i'm gonna you know build something or were you like you know what let me just continue doing freelance take on a couple more you know clients because you've already you know, been doing this sort of freelance thing on the side and like, which one was it? Where, did you have the mentality? Like, I'm going to start a business now and I'm going to start hiring people and, and getting clients, whatever. It definitely wasn't that. <laughs> it definitely wasn't that. I think at most I was thinking like, all right, cool. Like, you know, maybe I can use some more vendors or contractors to help me with stuff. But I was just thinking like, yo, I'll, I'll make some money and keep doing this and see where it goes. Um, I would say that within a year of doing that, I started to realize like, you know what, this could turn into an actual agency. Mm. And, and that's probably when I started really thinking in the back of my head, like, this is where we could go. But even then, I mean, Jeff, I'll be honest, man. Like I, I didn't have any idea that like it would grow to where it grew to. Um, and I also had no idea how I was going to do it. I mean, going from 
you know, me and a couple people full time, mm-hmm. um, and was like not too bad. Going from ten people to twenty was so hard. Mm-hmm. It was so hard because you can you can fake it. You can fake a lot of things at one to ten, but the moment you get to like twelve, there's things you can't fake what, anymore. There's, what do you mean? Give me an example. There's infrastructure that you have to have in place. There's uh, you know, SaaS. And faking to whom? Faking to the people that you're hiring, or faking to clients, or to yourself? Like you don't have to have an employee handbook at nine people. You don't. You're small. It's intimate. Yeah. You don't have to have uh, multiple internal processes for a daily standup. You have one stand-up because it's small enough for everyone. Just, hey, guys, 9 o'clock, we're all going to hear a quick stand-up. We're done. The moment you get to a certain point, you can't have that many people in a Zoom call and have an actual robust stand-up. You have to now, okay, well, I guess we need a design department yeah. and a development. Shit, I guess we need a project management department. Well, what about sales and operations? Like These are things that if you had asked me two, three years ago, I'd have been like, I don't even know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> I had to like go through the crucible to find out like, oh, these are these things that are needed. And you know, I couldn't go to Barnes and Nobles or online and be like, how to do an agency. Like there was no book for this. I mean, maybe there was, but I never saw it. But, but you just to step back for a second, you did make a conscious decision to not go and get another job, right? Yeah. Yes. hundred percent. Okay. 100%. And, and was it just these like negative experiences uh, that you had? I mean, they weren't all negative, right? You had a couple of years at lynda.com. They were, they were great. I would say that most of my experiences have, were actually really positive. I think that there is an ebb and flow to any job where, you know, it starts out a certain way. You have kind of like a plateau. And then mm-hmm. at some point, whether it's a month, a year, five years, it starts to go down. And that's because things always are changing. New people are hired. People are leaving. New processes. It gets bought, whatever. Um, you know, maybe it's the economy. In 2008, uh, you know, when we had that big crash, I was working for a company called Shop It, and they, I remember them bringing me into a room and saying, hey guys, don't worry, because even though we're trying to raise funding, we have bridge funding that can just extend as much as we need. Hmm. I left that Monday, I come back, they're like, sorry, we gotta let you go, we didn't get the funding. I was like, what happened? Around and around in a circle. So like, it was that that part sucked, but everything beforehand, I really enjoyed working there. So it wasn't that I was so, you know, uh, upset with working for the man that I was just like, I need to be my own boss. But it, it, I think that as I started to do consulting, I think that I, the veil of, of the, the veil that is between a person who's never done this before and people that have started to be removed. I was like, you know what? I can do this. Hmm. This isn't that hard. I don't need to go to, you know, Wharton school of business to figure this stuff out. I, I can do this. And that's when the mentality shift started to change, or it was more entrepreneurial at that point. And granted, it wasn't creative.com yet, but Alshon Afard had already had four or five people that I was paying, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I was like, okay, like I-, I learned as I went, I built the plane as I was flying it. And would I do things differently now? Absolutely. Hindsight's always 2020. I have, I could save myself a lot of heartache, uh, you know, and hardship if, if I had not made certain choices that I didn't know any better at the time, but those experiences, like most things in life, shape you. And that like, shape like, like what though? What what kind of like what kind of mistakes have you made along the way? Like, I'll give you one that just jumped to my head. Um, you know, there is a big difference between using a Google Doc to track your clients and a CRM, like HubSpot, for example, right? I didn't even know what a CRM was for years. I was just like cool. I'm using this Google doc. This is my client. How's that doing? Oh, it's going good. Okay. Should I follow up with them? Maybe it was like notepads everywhere and stuff like post-it notes. Would I, if I could go do it over again, I'd be like, look, find a CRM, like let's say pipe drive, which is more affordable than HubSpot or bite the bullet and do HubSpot because trust me in the long run, it's going to be worth it. Even though you're spending 10,000 bucks a year on it Mm. and organize your entire a uh, 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 system around your CRM and make sure that new systems that get put in place, like, uh, you know, your, your um, bookkeeping system, your communication systems, your project management system, that they all talk to the CRM. Mm-hmm. So that is a communication with each other. So utilizing tools basically that could have been more efficient and saved you a lot of probably, you know, headache. I got to tell you though, man, it's, it sounds not as big of a deal, but trust me, it's not just a headache. It's like the ball game. I could have renewed contracts with clients had I had more visibility on it. Like Sun Tzu, Art of War. If I had had more knowledge of things before it happened and was more prepared for it, I could have probably turned that into success faster and grown more sustainably. 
I could have looked at projections and been like, you know what? Why is this going this way? What's happening right now? Oh, well, Toggle is tracking hours for these people in this way, people that are supposed to report their hours. And I'm like, you know what? Why is that off? And I go and talk to the person. And it turns out that this person that we had employed had been doing work and was just kind of mailing it, kind of mailing it in, right? Like, like those are the types of things like, I know it doesn't sound like a big deal, but if you had this system and all these things connected to it, one thing follows the other. And I probably could have turned that into success and more lucrative success much faster had I done that. I just didn't know about it at the time. No one had ever told me to have a CRM or anything like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you've been um, operating CreateApe now for several years. And, um, you know, if you look back on your time as an employee and your time as a business owner, uh, and, and even before, you know, CreateApe was more formalized, but when you were, you know, just doing some freelance work, um, but you decided to make that jump, right, to kind of not no longer be an employee, but to be the employer, right? Yeah. Uh, would you would you say that um, there's a certain type of person that should make that kind of a, a of a leap, um, or does it not really matter? You know, so there's so many people that are you know they're you know employees for their entire career, right, and they retire as an employee, but then there are many others that, you know, they're working for a few years and they do have this kind of like entrepreneurial drive, or maybe they had, you know, a shitty experience, right. With their manager. Uh, and you know, maybe they're yelled at, maybe that happens a couple times in a row, a couple, a couple, you know, companies in a row and they, and they just want to go off on their own, be their own boss. Would you, would you ever try to like dissuade somebody from, from doing what you did? And if so, why does it depend on that person? Like, what, what do you have to say about that? Let me preface this, that I know a lot of people that they find their profession, they stay in that profession, their entire careers, their entire, you know, working lives, and then they retire and they're very happy. They put away money. They're some of the, usually they're, they're pretty smart in what they're doing. They have a, you know, a 401k, like all that stuff. And God bless them. Like they raise their families. If they decide to have them, like it works for them. Um, and they may get fired and then they find another job and they pivot as they need to, but that it, it's good for them. And then there are other people that I know where they cannot stand to be told what to do by somebody else. Right. Um, I don't necessarily know if one is better than the other. I think it depends on your personality and what you want out of life. Because I'll tell you, like working for a company is so much easier. If I had to go back and work for a company, it would be like a vacation. Yeah. I would literally like, I don't even know what to do with myself at this point. <laughs> I've got, yeah, all those things you needed are done. And, and by the way, that's, I mean, I probably wouldn't go back and be necessarily a senior UX designer. I'd probably be a VP of a department mm -hmm. or maybe an exec. Sure. Yeah. But even then, it, it's, 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 I, I've done the math. I've thought about this. And I'm like, I cannot even begin to see how this could be harder than what I'm doing. Right. And there have been moments in my career, even at CreateApe, where I've thought about like, I wonder if it'd be better for me to go do that because it's, it's less risk. It's less stress. It's less whatever. But once you dig a little bit deeper, is it really less risk? I know people that, you know, they think that they have a solid job. They're working for a Fortune 100 company. And then look, man, numbers get crunched and your department's gone. Yeah. You're gone. You're you now, and now you have to go get another job. So I, I started to look through that and go, you know what? I don't know that it's necessarily that much more uh, secure. And, you know, I will say that when you are an entrepreneur, I think Elon Musk said this best. I think he was him who said that it is the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, you know, and it is very true. There are moments where, you know, it is feast. And then there are moments where it is famine. And I'll be honest, 2023 was a tough year for creative. Like we had a lot of adjustments because, you know, we COVID was done. COVID money was drying up. VC money was gone for a while there. Uh, Q1 was a rough uh, quarter. Um, and it's actually been a benefit for us because we've realigned ourselves to what we really started out with at creative, which is UX, UI, conversion optimization, research, things like that. And we've decided to move away, shift, from big development, which, you know, you have to have certain capabilities in order to do that well. So I'm happy that these things have happened. But as uh, to answer your question, as I look back, I think that there, I, I do think that anybody can be an entrepreneur, but not everybody should be an entrepreneur. Mm, yeah. You can be it, right? Like anybody can do it. It doesn't mean that 
you know, you necessarily should, um, because, you know, some of it could be circumstantial, right? Like where you're at in your life. And, you know, like, I think that you can take on more risk when you're potentially younger and you don't have a family to deal with. Right. Uh, maybe if you're older and, you know, you're, you have three kids and one in college, it's a little bit harder to take those risks. But even then, if you have a passion, if you feel strongly, like, I really want to do this, I've always wanted to do this, right? You should do it. I, I knew a guy, I'll say this real quick, because I know we're getting close to time. I knew a guy who loved river rafting, loved it. Mm -hmm. But he was, I think he was like an accountant or something. It was something that like completely opposite of river rafting. And one day he was like, I'm going to start a river rafting company. I'm just going to do it. And he learned a lot. He definitely had some hardships, some big ones, but he was able to make it eventually. Okay. Successful, nothing crazy, but successful. and then over time he made it more and more and more successful. Mm -hmm. And now he's very happy. He did it. And so I like in jujitsu, they say that you're never, you're either winning or you're learning. And I think that that's very true. As long as you have the right mindset, when it comes to being an entrepreneur, you're either winning or you're learning. Mm -hmm. But, you know, make sure that you actually are learning. Don't make the same mistakes twice. And God almighty, if you can lean on mentors or, you know, people that have come before you and ask them questions, do it. Because while, yes, you can learn on your own, I try. I, I, I love the idea of working smarter before you have to work harder. <laughs> work hard if you need to, right? Yeah. You're going to be doing it much more. So <clears throat> you, you are, you're still pretty damn young. What, right. So like, what, what does the future hold? I mean, you have many, many years ahead of you. Uh, so what, what's the future hold for you personally and, and for, uh, for your business? I think that, um, so for the business for creative, I'm really excited about 2024 and the future. I love that we are specializing in UX and not just UX, but UX with a foundation in research and ideation. You know, I, when people wake up and they go, you know what, we're going to make this new initiative, this new application, this new e-commerce, whatever. We want to do this new thing. I want them to think of us be like, well, how are we going to do it? What is the right answer? Should we go left or should we go right? Should we make it this way or that way? Most people don't know the answer to that because you don't have the data. I want them to think of us and be like, look, before we even pick up something to design, right? Like before we even start to open up Figma, we're going to start asking questions. We're going to look at data and, and that is what we want to be masters of that foundation so that anytime we create a design, you have a very strong confidence that what we're doing is going to be at worst, decently successful and at best a home run. Mm -hmm. And that is what I'm excited about for Create going forward. And I'm, I feel like we are so well positioned to do that. And, you know, if you look at some of the reviews that we have online, you're already starting to see a lot of that happening. So I'd say that's where I'm at with Create Ape. I think that long, long term, I don't really know. I mean, it could be something where, you know, um, we have a really good team. Uh, you know, we have some good leadership in place with with uh, with, with Zach and, and some of these other guys. And I think that there could be a scenario where, you know, as I start to do my own thing more, which I'll get back to in a second, they might take a bigger role or you never know. It could be an acquisition or something like that. I've always been open to something of that nature. I think for me personally, I want to continue to run this company and shepherd it and watch it grow and learn from it. Um, it's been really good to me and my family, and I, I want to continue to try to uh, nurture it. But I also am enjoying doing more thought leadership, uh, really getting into the um, foundation of what UX is and why we do it. So uh, you're probably already starting to see that a bit on social with me. You're going to see a lot more of it in 2024. I'm doing more speaking engagements. Uh, I'm doing one at San Jose University. Uh, I'll be doing more of that stuff. I also have been toying around with writing a book uh, for UX specifically oriented towards small business owners that think like, well, I need to have an agency to get UX design for my business. It's like, no, you don't like you're, you really don't. Here are things that you can do that are low hanging fruit, quick wins that will make a big difference in your online digital presence. So I love that. All right. Um, last, last, uh, question for you. Um, so if somebody's watching this or listening to this podcast, and they're a college student or maybe, you know, early in their career, what are some words of advice you'd give that person for, for the career that they have laying ahead of them? I would say, I, you know, I've done a couple of these types of interviews before and I get asked this question a lot. And my answer tends to be fairly the same. Um, what it is, is, you know, number one, I would say stay hungry. 
Like the moment you're no longer hung- hungry and, you know, hunger is an interesting thing. It's, it's, um, you know, you, you, you see it in sports teams, right? Like they're hungry. You can tell when they're playing them, they may lose, but man, like it's, they're, they're going to be scrappy the whole time. And then you see the ones that won the Super Bowl and they come back the next year. They're not hungry anymore. Mm. They're like, like it's, it's going to take a little bit, right? So stay hungry. Even if you win in something, you get the job, you launch the company, you hit your first million, stay hungry, right? If you're no longer hungry, you need to consider getting out of the game, right? Because that is where you can make mistakes or where you start just mailing it in. And then it's, what's the point, right? So that would be number one, stay hungry. Number two, I would say be flexible right? Bend, bend. In jujitsu, when you get thrown, you, you want to stay loose. If you stay rigid, it's how bones break, right? But if you stay loose and you know when to flex, you know how to land, you know how to like just be flexible, bend a little bit, you're able to survive your match and hopefully come out on top, right? It's the same thing in, in life and it's the same thing with business. Like be flexible, learn to bend. Remember that a no isn't, it doesn't mean a no doesn't mean that the door is closed. It just means you need to find another way around it. And there's always a way, always a way to get from point A to point B. So I would say that uh, being flexible is really important. And then I think lastly, I would say that, you know, I would say keep an eye out for the things that make you happy in life. I used to tell, I tell my kids, um, you know, yes, go out and do all the things you want in the world, whatever, but remember the milk and cookies that make you happy, right? There's those things, those comfort things that just make you happy. Have a work-life balance. Remember, we are not here on this planet to work. We're not. I'm sorry. We're just not. And if nobody on their deathbed says, you know what? I really wish I worked a lot harder. No. Everybody wishes they had more time with their kids or their spouse, or they made that marriage work, or they did more things for others. Or took a little more risk. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, so yeah, man, I would just say that. I would just say, you know, like, remember why you're here and, you know, try not to take it too seriously all the time. And remember the milk and cookies that make you happy, right? Go on a walk. Even if it's five minutes, I, I go on walks all the time. I'll take a five minute break, walk around, smell some flowers. Literally, I will smell some flowers yeah. and then I'll come back. I'm like, all right, cool. Let's do something. Right. So um, that's the advice I think I would give to a young person. I love that. Al, thanks so much for the time, man. This was awesome. Yeah, of course, man. Thanks for listening to this episode of Office IQ. If you're looking for ways to accelerate your path to success, you can find more resources like this on our YouTube channel or at officeintelligence.com. We offer courses and other content that will literally change the direction of your career for the better. If there are any topics you'd like to hear more about or questions you'd like me to address on future episodes, you can send an email to jeff at officeintelligence.com.